fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialist control, the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis, for being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? It's hour number two of your weekend edition here on The Voice of Reason, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here at the Hoosier Media Network studios in, I can't say Wichita, Kansas. We're just based outside of Wichita, Kansas, but we're rocking and rolling here. Great to have you along today for the ride as we continue to go through your extremely hot, global warming ridden weekend. Thank you, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for that. Or might I say Hillary Clinton for blaming the MAGA Republicans for the way that the uh, environment's going right now with climate change. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Hillary Clinton, very much for that one. Let's get into hour number two, baby. Let's get this thing rolling. Right on. Let's do it. Rock that world. Rock that world. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we do need to talk about. And don't worry. So, for the first time on this program, we haven't done it yet on this show uh but there's a favorite segment we like to do during the week that is our weird news of the day and we'll get to that here probably at the end of this hour so get ready for that one really excited to uh, have some fun with what's been going on in washington dc distraction or legitimate issue mm, we'll have some fun with it i want to ask you a question though anybody and for those of you by the way i don't promote this enough i probably should do it more you can find our podcast at the voice of reason with andy hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites uh no i in hoosier but on your spotify your itunes your apple music your um tune in whatever else you have you can find us the voice of reason also a link to all of them and our social media on our website at hoosierreason.com uh again no i h-o-o-s-e-r reason.com Sign up for the newsletter. So the newsletter will probably go out next week because I haven't plugged it enough and I want to let people know about it. So if you go onto the website at HoosierReason.com, you'll see the first thing that pops up says, do you want to become a Hoosier-holic? And you're like, oh, yeah, I totally want to become a Hoosier-holic. Type in your email, completely free. Uh, You don't have to pay for anything, subscribe to anything. It's just you get a monthly email. We will not bombard your email with a whole bunch of crap. It's just a once a month newsletter, and we appreciate you supporting us and joining that as well. You can also find some other opportunities uh, with the show there as well. Question for you. How many people have read the book Reclaiming Conservatism? We have our live video stream going. If you're watching it, you can see that we have the book here. It's a book that I've had for years. Reclaiming Conservatism by Mickey Edwards, how a great American political movement got lost and how it can find its way back. Now, I got this book back in college when I went to the Conservative Political Action Conference in Washington, D.C. I will tell you those grand stories later on. I don't have time to do so right now, but they're very entertaining for uh, days when we're uh, talking about fun shenanigans that young kids like to do. While I was there, I picked up this book. And I read it, and it had some great content in it, but essentially the gist of one of the points that he had tried to make about how to revitalize the conservative movement across the nation was to stop talking about social issues. Republicans, Judeo-Christian Republicans, the ones with uh, religious foundings, the ones that have like a family-based values that way, uh, the ones that are trying to set the tone for the Republican Party in a more religious stance, in hardline moral stance, need to just, according to the book, needed to back off a little bit and talk more about economic issues, which is what we were all about. Conservatism, freedom, transparency from the government, limited government, regulations, economic policy. And uh, that's what he said. Stay away from the social issues. 
and focus on economics. And now this was written, I don't even know when this book was written, honestly. But we've done that as a party, haven't we? We've really done that as a party for the last, really for the last decade. As long as I've been in politics, I've been on the radio for about 12 years now, 12, 13 years. We've been in politics a lot longer than that prior to. And really, that has been the main focal point for the Republican Party and conservatives in general has been economics. Now, it works because we realize, hey, the gas prices are too high. Remember the political party? The rent's too damn high. Remember that guy? <laughs> Every answer on the debate stage was, hey, how do you feel about such? Well, guess what? The rent's too damn high. We're going to fix that. And that was his entire movement. And that's what the Republican Party has essentially become. And there's nothing wrong with that because, yeah, gas prices are too high. The inflation's too high. Sales tax is too high. The federal budget's too high. The federal appropriations uh, process doesn't even exist essentially anymore. The government's spending way too much money. Those are all legitimate issues and extremely important issues, in my humble opinion. The problem is that when you're on the campaign trail, Unless you can actually get somebody to relate and understand the financial pains of going through the daily life, which right now isn't a very difficult thing to find, outside of that, it's hard to tie emotion to a numbers-driven, punch-in-the-data type of issue. And one thing Democrats do very, very well at is focusing on emotional issues. They drive their voters to the polls based on emotional issues. You're going to lose health care If Republicans get in charge, you're going to lose your rights. If Republicans get in charge, you're going to lose X, Y, and Z. You're not going to be considered a human, according to them. If Republicans get in charge, that's what what they try to promote. And they do a very good job at that. It's the politics of fear. It's a very low based, very low energy, very low vibrational state. If you want to look at it that way, Uh, state of mentality is the fear based politics, the constant feeding of paranoia and fear and doomsday crap and end-of-the-world stuff if Republicans get in charge. And it's sad because that's what drives a lot of them to the polls is based out of fear instead of through excitement, instead of through patriotism, instead of through love of country. They go through the entire education system teaching about how our education system is bad, and they talk about how the founding fathers were evil and how just being white or having a traditional family-valued unit family or having a mom and a dad in your home is bad. And now they've brainwashed the children to believe that as such, which is why we're seeing the latest polls showing that young Americans between the eight, uh, between the age of 18 to 40, essentially, patriotism is on the decline massively, going from near 40% of that generation having some type of patriotic view, loving their country, feeling love or support for their country in some way, shape, or form, going from 40% in just about 20 years ago, to 19, 18% right now. Less than 20% of that generation actually feels patriotic or has some love of country because of being taught of how bad this nation actually is. Then we get into the social issue debates, which Republicans, got to be honest, again, maybe it's because it's run by the older generation that doesn't know how to handle these because they're just like, wow, this is really stupid. And rightfully so, it is really stupid. But they don't know how to address these issues that now we have a culture war going on where the Republicans are always on the defense instead of taking the offense on the issue. Andy, what do you mean by that? Here's what exactly what I mean. There is, according to Fox News, there is now a push in Washington, D.C. from Democrats, from progressive Democrats 
that want to ban the term. Now, I don't know how you can ban a word. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but they want to ban the terms husband and wife. Oh, yes. They want to ban the terms husband and wife in our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? Now again, I don't know how you can ban a term like husband and wife because I'm going to use it. My wife is right across the room with me. My She calls me her husband all the time. That's the way things are. There's a husband and a wife. I'm not talking about, you know, part of the LGBTQ community that feel other ways, but there are husbands and wives in traditional family units that are probably 85 to 90% of the households across the nation that are the silent majorities. But they want to ban those terms so that way the kids that don't have both units in their home or may have two moms or two dads or whatever or ones that don't know what gender they are got to include those apparently somehow now that they confuse and therefore they're not quote-unquote left out so they want to ban those terms now it's a silly stupid thing but here's what some elected officials in dc respond to this issue on they're probably controversial for the two percent of radical leftists who now run the democrat party not at all no i I think that uh some of the wokeness here in congress is laughable uh it's a it's just a people would have to see uh people that work hard every day would have to come to washington to see what some of these members of congress are fighting for they're not fighting for uh better jobs they're not fighting for a, a secure border or national security to reduce wasteful spending. They're fighting for a woke agenda to satisfy an extreme left-wing contingency that's taken over the Democrat Party here in Washington. So uh, it's just another joke uh, in the the far left's uh, reach, overreach of, of government. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. We've got to get past that in this country. These folks, they have no no. I don't know where they're getting this stuff. They, they have no no dose of reality in their lives. I think it's it's it depends on who you are. I know with with my wife, husband and wife was just fine. Um, but you know, I'm in my 70s. She's in her 60s. Um, but you know, the next generation. You know, I'm not a person that shows my pronouns, but if somebody that does list their pronouns, okay, I respect that. This is the dumbest thing ever. They, the left wants to call, they want to take away women. They want to call it, you know, pregnant moms. You can't be pregnant anymore. You're, you're like a pregnant person. You're not a, a mother anymore. I mean, it's just stupid and it's bullshit. Just like grow up. Like this is biology. This is science. Um, women have a place in the world and we ought to be proud of it. Uh, that audio from Fox News, by the way, that last uh, audio clip was Congresswoman Nancy Mace. She's turning out to be another solid conservative, one of my favorite ones out there in Washington, D.C. We got to try and get her on the program sometime because she would be fantastic. She actually was part of the UFO hearings that we'll talk about a little bit later on the program during our weird news of the day. Weird news of the day. <laughs> but she hit it right on that there's an agenda behind this, which is to try and get rid of women. Now, remember, these are the progressives that are supposedly about equality and equity, whatever the hell equity is supposed to mean, uh, other than government, decide my value in society, please. Uh, These are the ones that are trying to do resegregation. These are the same party that's trying to create race wars and identity politics wars and gender wars and uh, economic wars based on your income because you're evil Richie Rich or you're you're a victim of society and there's a glass ceiling above you. These are the ones creating the division that are now doing it in the sense of trying to tear apart the family unit, which is one of the most important foundational values that we have in the United States that's been crumbling for years. 
Now, why do I bring this up is because while it may be a stupid issue of, oh, banning the words of husband and wife, that's really dumb, Andy. Here's why this is important is because the progressives have focused on these issues forever. My question is, Republicans, how are we responding to this? And while we can just say this is really dumb, let's move on, it's gaining traction. And they're the ones that are in power through the media, meaning through the public's perception of certain issues. They're the ones control of the education system for the younger generation right now. They're the ones that set the dialogue. Again, we're on the defense because we never control the dialogue. They're the ones that have always controlled the dialogue. The young conservatives, according to the latest polls, young conservatives, according to MarketWatch.com is where this one shows, says that many of the younger conservatives getting into politics now show their number one priorities to discuss and try to focus on is social issues, not economic issues. And while we've gone decades now going under the idea of reclaiming conservatism, like the book said, on how we need to rid ourselves of discussing social issues because we're on the losing end of it, that things are going to change, and that the Judeo-Christian family units of just traditional values, uh, trying to impose that will onto the rest of the country is not going to be good. We just need to shy away from the issue. That hasn't been working for us because the longer that the Republican Party has put on the blinders, ignored the issue, and looked the opposite direction, the longer they've been able to control that dialogue and brainwash the next generation. So the young generation of conservatives are coming in saying, "Uh uh-uh, we have to talk about this. We have to address it. We have to call it out for what it is. And when we call it out for what it is, we can start to get the country back on track in many other areas. It's the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the show. 24 minutes past the hour. During the break, I found a clip of John Fetterman. I saw a comment on the live stream a little bit ago about uh, we were talking about the gaffes, the old age, the mental health issues, the lack of cognitive ability to actually run the country. I was (laughs) watching some clips of John Fetterman. What a mess, man. Again, that's the level. Democrats are like, oh, he's a great candidate. Definitely qualified. Don't want that moderate Republican in there. We want that big Democrat to go in and wear his hoodie and gym shorts into work every day as an elected official and stutter his way through where he can't comprehend conversations. And not his fault. He had a massive stroke. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. But again, can you do the job in politics, which is to look awesome and to have money and to debate and to actually work on policy in D.C., um, it's just a complete mess. So we have the young generation trying to come in, and now we have this difference in opinion on what the priorities need to be. And while, again, my being the dork that I am, I still think that the economy is one of the most important things we can focus on. The problem is it's hard to get people emotionally tied to economic policy. We can get them fired up about how bad the economy is, which is what we're doing right now. We can see how high inflation is, how high gas prices are, how high food prices are how high mortgage rates are, how high your student loan rates are. We can go off to that and they can feel the pinch and get emotionally fired up there. But again, that's a very negative mindset. And we need to bring back the positive. We need to bring back the patriotism. But the young generation, according to MarketWatch, saying that they're not as concerned about economic issues. They want to talk about other issues 
like social issues, including abortion, transgender rights, and so on and so forth, uh, not as uh, much focus on the quote-unquote traditional conservative messaging of free markets, smaller government, and economic policy. And while we may say, well, that's a really bad direction for us to go because that's our bread and butter for the Republican Party, we have to remember right now nationwide as a quote-unquote democracy, although we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic, let's remember that, but through our quote-unquote, I use air quotes here, our democratic process of voting as a first-world nation, we only have about a 40% voter turnout. And of that 40% that votes, turns out, it's a pandering and appealing to those actively political individuals. And if the younger generation who's turning out to vote is focusing on those issues because they're not focused on economics, which <laughs> I guess makes sense if you're still living in your parents' basement and you don't have a whole lot of bills right now. No wonder economics aren't really your big issue. But if you're starting to come out and try and live your life and buy a house and start a family and get a mortgage and get a car and get a job and do all this stuff, you're starting to realize that, wow, this is really expensive and I don't want to do this anymore. This is I, adulting. That's the new word. Hashtag adulting. I have to do adulting now and it's very difficult. And now that's why we're seeing the millennial generation slowly back move to the conservative end of the aisle a little bit. The support for socialism has gone down from the last couple of years from 42% down to 36% as well among millennial individuals. So I think COVID was a wake-up call. I think them starting to grow up is getting a wake-up call. But now we're starting to address the issues that we want to focus on. Maybe it's because it's a first-world problem and we have nothing else to argue and bicker about. So we're going to talk about whether... The, the terms of husband and wife, mother and father, boy and girl are actually legitimate words, which is a really, 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 really stupid conversation to have. But if that's what the young generation has to focus on in order for them to be active and for them to realize common sense, as stupid as it may be, we have to show the stupidity through the engagement of the conversation. And that may be a very difficult thing to do, and it may feel like we're banging our head against the wall or just our brain cells are dying off by having the conversation, but we have to do it. And the young generation, God bless them, is starting to address that issue, bringing people up, waking them up to the Republican side to realize, oh, wait a second. Yeah, it may be dumb, but we have to show them the dumbness through holding their hand and leading them to that point to get to their own conclusion. It's frustrating. But guess what? That's what we're here for. Let's hold our hands and let's walk down that road of common sense, truth, and reason and see what conclusion they come to this at the end of the day. the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Pleasure to have you along for the ride, especially this weekend, moving through the weekend, whenever you may be listening, however you may be watching or listening to the show. Always love you to death as we try and recap the weekend or the week of shenanigans on <laughs> the show. Holy cow. And it's been a wild one. We have the younger generation now focusing on a little bit different issues, but yet it's still important for us to focus on what the primary foundation. I mean, remember, whatever issue it may be, the way we always promote it here on the show is the three pillars of conservatism, which is the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private property. And that goes into social issues, that's economic issues, that's the three pillars of how conservatism continues to survive 
in this nation and really thrive, even though we don't have the majority right now. We are a center-right nation that they're trying to turn into a center-left nation, and it's getting a little frustrating. I will say, though, I am excited to see some of these um, geriatric patients, I guess you could put, uh, which, by the way, we will be having a new Voice of Reason infomercial coming up probably next week for you on this issue. But what we saw this week between Mitch McConnell, between Diane Feinstein, between Joe Biden, between John Fetterman, all of these ridiculousness, it's time for them to go. And I cannot wait for the day where we can finally say. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? To talk about some of the issues going on nationwide and the latest hearings out of Washington, D.C. on the economic front, uh, we have Joe Biden trying to say that the Bidenomics is working, that the 15 to 20 percent inflation over the past three years is a success and that we continue to uh, create more job. What does he say from the bottom up and the middle out or whatever the hell he tries to say? It's not working. It's a complete lie and a farce. But. It's what he tries to say. It's not true. You are fake news. Especially when we see a Department of Labor that's a complete disaster and tries to fudge the numbers for unemployment and for who's actually working. And then this massive push like Biden has done to say every new job that we're going to create, we're going to reinforce the idea of labor unions. And for anyone who's listened to this program in any way, shape or form and knows my opinion on that, labor unions are the cesspool of the country. And I know, public and private. I'm sorry. It's a controversial statement. I don't care. We'll talk about what's going on in D.C. and a heck of a lot more. Really happy to have this guy on the weekend program now as well. He's the president of the National Right to Work Committee, also part of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation as well. Really happy to have on here Mr. Mark Mix. Mark, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Well, Andy, I'm doing fine. You've got a tremendous amount of energy after a week like we had here in Washington, D.C., so congratulations to you. I don't know what you're on, whether it's caffeine or whatever, but, uh, man, I want some of it. Uh, I'm sipping my kombucha right now, but uh, it's you know what? <laughs> we have to keep it entertaining, and we have to laugh off the ridiculousness that's in D.C., because if if it gets to you, it can be a very depressing world by focusing on the negative out there. We have to laugh at how stupid this is sometimes. Well, indeed. And, and when it comes to Bidenomics and your comment about the Department of Labor, I mean, getting to a point where we have an acting secretary of labor by the name of Julie Sue, who cannot find the votes to be confirmed as secretary of labor. And then they just keep going. Basically, what's happened, Andy, just to kind of jump right into it, the White House has pretty much given up on getting her confirmed. And so they're just going to let her continue to serve. Uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kristen Sinema from Arizona have both come out and said they have very serious concerns about her tenure as a labor secretary out in California, and they're not going to vote for her. So she doesn't have the votes to get through unless the Republicans save her, and that's not unheard of, and that's not un unprecedented. They have done <laughs> that in the past. But in this case, I think she's just going to continue serving. And really, when you think about it, Andy, you, you think about you know Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution that talks about the advice and consent duties of the U.S. Senate. You know, Basically, the president nominates someone to serve in a cabinet position like Secretary of Labor, and Joe Biden did that back in February of this year. He nominated Julie Sue to step up after Marty Walsh had resigned to go uh, serve the union that uh, manages hockey players at the, in the National Hockey League. But she can't get the vote. So they're saying they're just going to let her continue to serve. And, um, you know, if uh, someday they vote her down or vote her up or whatever, they'll deal mm -hmm. with that at that point. But at this point, they're just going to say, you know what, we're not going to adhere to that advice and consent. And if the Senate doesn't want her 
and Schumer doesn't bring her up for a vote, I guess she'll just keep serving. And that's really a problem. That is a problem. So what is the next step for the Department of Labor? I mean, and first off, I have to give applause to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema because they, while they are still, quote unquote, Democrats, except for Sinema, who claims to be independent now, but uh, they are still center left for the most part. But they have been the thorn in the side for Democrats on multiple issues over the past few years. I'm waiting for the time when Democrats finally say enough is enough. We can't deal with you anymore. Yeah, well, you know, the other part of that, Andy, and now hold on to it because this this may, you know, this may get you too excited. Both of those senators are up for reelection next year. And, you know, not that reelection has anything to do with the positions they take. Um, You know, the five years prior to that six year cycle, uh, it's kind of interesting to look back and kind of analyze that voting history. But certainly Manchin, of all the senators in the country, I mean, West Virginia is a state that does not brook the Biden and Biden Bidenomics, however you pronounce that. And and Manchin understands that and he knows. And that's why his behavior has changed, I think. And cinema too. I mean she's gonna try to run as an independent in Arizona, which is an interesting uh kind of study as we look look at what's going to happen in November of next year. But you're right, those two have have been kind of a uh, a sand in the in the in the ointment or the mechanism of, of the Bidenomics and and America's better off for that at this point so far. Yeah. That is very true. Real quickly, just as a side note on that, do you think that Manchin's really going to tie a presidential run through that quote-unquote no-labels party as an independent? I don't know, Andy. I mean, we're hearing a lot about it. This Larry Hogan guy, the former Republican governor of Maryland, who is, uh, you know, just absolutely terrible. Not that Mer- not that Maryland provides a, a very good uh, footprint for being a, you know, a liberty, justice, and, and freedom guy. But, yeah, there's some money there, apparently. There's, what, $70 million in a super PAC for the no-labels candidate. A mansion maybe uh, might be appealing in that regard. Obviously, he's got a very hotly contested re-election with um, Governor Justice running again, and also Congressman Alex Mooney, who's a, a solid conservative, running in the primary. Uh, Congressman Mooney already had to take on a Republican in West Virginia when they lost a congressional seat and won overwhelmingly in that race. And he is a solid conservative, movement conservative. Um, and Jim Justice was a is a party switcher. He went from Democrat to Republican. The one thing we have is when we had a right-to-work law pending in West Virginia, uh, Governor Justice vetoed that bill. We overrode his veto, and West Virginia became a right-to-work state back in 2017. Uh, but Alex Mooney and Justice are going to vie for that nomination, and that will be an uphill battle for Joe Manchin going forward. So he may choose to do something different. That would be very interesting. I'd love to see him, because if he did that, I think he would tear apart some of the Democrat votes and just uh, hurt them in the long run, which would be hilarious to watch. But we'll see how that one unfolds. Let's talk about the Department of Labor for a second. What's the next step now? I mean, we have Joe Biden out there literally campaigning on his failed economic policy and saying that all these new jobs he's creating are labor intensive and that uh, the labor unions are actually dominating and how we're going to create all this stuff right now. But the Department of Labor, it sounds like we're just going to kind of let it just be status quo. They don't have a whole lot of leadership in that department right now, it sounds like. Yeah, they don't. And, you know, let's let's remember, Andy, the government doesn't create anything. They take from one and give to another. And that's what Biden's talking about. The idea that, you know, he's created some some sense of millions of jobs is just an absolute <laughs> you know, misrepresentation. It's, it's not true, and we know that. And when a Republican president says the same thing, that's true, too. You can reduce regulation, which helps stimulate private sector uh, folks creating jobs. That's an important part of it, absolutely. You can reduce taxes, which provides more money for investment. That can create jobs, but that's not the government. Government actions help to create an environment where job creation is viable. And, and Biden can't even do that, because to your point, 
regulations have increased. And what they're doing basically in Washington, Andy, and you know this and your folks know this, they're just picking winners and losers. And they're trying to pick organized labor officials as the winners. When So when they're sending money out, they're taking money or creating money out of thin air or taxing us or regulating us more. What they're doing is they're saying, okay, we're not going to regulate this group, whether it be solar energy or windmills. We're going to regulate the oil and gas industry or we're going to give money to companies that will agree to have union-only contracts to create uh, new chips or or electronic electric batteries or whatever it is. They're picking winners and losers. But yeah, the Department of Labor, um, they now have an acting secretary in Julie Sue. They're still going to try to regulate. In fact, we expect coming up either next month or in September, new rules and regulations. And you and I have talked about this, Andy, about independent contractors versus employees, some of that AB5 language that came out of California when Julie Sue was out there. The idea that you you know, you can't unionize independent contractors, think Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, owner-operators of truck, you know, trucking uh, owner-operators, those types of people. But if you make them employees, you can unionize them. So they're still going to push for stuff like that. Um, but they're going to let them let, let them do it with someone who can't be confirmed by the United States Senate under the advice and consent of our Constitution. It's a complete disaster. We're talking with Mark Mix, president for the National Right to Work Committee. Mark, we got just about a minute as we kind of wrap up here, and I appreciate your time for the weekend. But uh, real quickly, uh, coming up for legislative sessions next year at the statewide levels, where are you guys targeting to work on some national right to work laws? Well, we're going to take a look at New Hampshire. We're going to take a look at Montana. We're going to take a look at Colorado and a few other states. We've got a defensive battle coming up in Virginia just this coming November. We've got to defend the House of Delegates that was that was transitioned from Democrat control to Republican control in the last election to pick the right to work law. So we've got lots of work to do. And, of course, we continue to watch what happens in Congress. That's for sure. Yeah, Congress is definitely, they they try to pull that whole supremacy clause of saying, well, you guys aren't allowed to let people make their choice on how they want to work and what organizations they want or need to, or don't want to join across the state. So I'm glad you guys are focusing still at that local level, at the statewide levels, and of course, battling that stuff in D.C. It's Mark Mix with the National Right to Work Committee. Mark, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. You guys always have such great information, and hopefully, hopefully, we can see the economy slowly get back on track and get people back to work the right way. But Joe Biden did create 13 million jobs, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Andy, thanks so much for the opportunity. I always appreciate being on with you and appreciate the conversation. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, brother. We'll get you back on again real soon. You're one of our favorite guests, and we love having you on. We'll do it again real soon. Got to take a break. One more segment here as we wrap up the show for the weekend edition here on The Voice of Reason. When we come back, some interesting news that happened throughout this week as well. We'll get to that right around the corner. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here on the show. Man, oh man, it's flown right on by. Fastest two hours of radio on, well, radio, plus the live stream and the TV and the podcasting, however people watch or listen. Again, you can check out our podcast at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You have to type in the whole thing. You'll see my ugly mug pop up, but you can find it, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any podcasting site. Also, the links to all of it on our website. Again, at HoosierReason.com. No I in Hoosier. H-O-O-S-E-R reason.com thanks again to mark mix coming on the program he's always a wonderful amazing guest he's one of our favorites we'll have him on semi-regularly here on the program with the national right to work committee 
having given you the opportunity to choose on whether you want to join a union or not. Wild concept. Choice. Freedom. Choose on if you want to pay your hard-earned money to an organization that pretends to represent you and then inflate your uh, rates and wages and everything above normal pay raises for what that value of the job sometimes actually brings in and then screws up the entire market. By the way, causing inflation, causing the higher prices for the consumers, including you, where you have to pay for more and then be like, I still can't make a living. Better do it again. Makes a whole lot of sense. All right. This is one of my favorite segments that we like to do on the program throughout the week and our first time to do it here for our weekend program with our weird news of the day. Weird news of the day. And again, you'll find out very quickly on this program that I enjoy this conversation immensely. And we're going to do a hybrid of politics and like coast to coast AM. For those that don't know, an amazing talk show. It's a late night overnight program with George Norrie is the host. I've talked to him a few times. He is one of the guys that got me into radio back in the day uh, originally as well. Absolutely love Coast to Coast AM talking aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot hunters, all that kind of weird stuff. So this show on the weekend, once in a while, we'll have fun, let the hair down a little bit and uh, play some of this, which I'm telling you, whether you believe this is a distraction that we saw this week during the Hunter Biden investigations, other big issues, or whether you think it's legitimate, This should be headline news that everybody is talking about, and this could change the global dynamic of society with some of the news that came out earlier this week. This is from an audio clip of a congresswoman who we've already played in uh, some audio from her earlier of Nancy Mace interviewing some of the whistleblowers coming out of the Pentagon. If you believe we have crashed craft uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Okay. That, <laughs> again, that comment right there should be the headline everywhere now again this is a whistleblower the pentagon has denied it so therefore he's a crazy wild conspiracy theorist probably some like maga trump supporter or something the worst human on the face of the earth but he has literally said that according to his knowledge his involvement and involvement of people that are still in the projects that we have craft that are not made by humans with biology biologics what did he say by its um the biology of things that are not human that were the pilots of these crafts in our possession. Now think of this as a distraction all you want to, and it very well may be according to the congressman that we've talked to on shows and that we've heard from different interviews. They've said they've tried to make these hearings happen for years and that they weren't unable to do so. And then all of a sudden they were finally able to. So I think two couple different things are going on here. Number one, as that, yes, the government is probably using this as a distraction to keep you distracted from major issues, including the Hunter Biden investigation and other things. And they want to, they have this information. It's earth shattering information. They know it's earth shattering information, but they hold on to it to release it for the proper time for the political gain to wipe other things under the rug while we're paid attention to this. Doesn't discredit the importance of this news, but they use it at a time when they try to distract. Number two, while we are being distracted and debating whether it's legitimate or not, they're dropping the breadcrumbs in front of us. 
to slowly condition us to accept this fact. And like I've said on this program before, dude, we already know. We already know UFOs exist. We already know that ETs exist. I have been a firm believer of this 120% for years. We already know it. We already know you've had these programs for years, like the guy admitted. We're just ready for you to finally admit it publicly as well. Admit it. Bring it to light. And just let us know what's really going on. This should be earth-shattering, humanity-changing news. And we're debating on whether it's legitimate or not. These are whistleblowers calling out the Pentagon and the government for these secret programs that we already knew were happening. And I love it. I'm glad people are finally starting to talk about it. That does it for us today. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on the radio soon.